Hello everyone and welcome back to the kickabout Arsenal topple Man City and Spurs are top of the tree. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Darren. Welcome to episode 145 of the Kickabout. Did you detect the uh, surprise in my voice there? Spurs. Mm. Spurs. Top of the league league after eight games. Who'd have thought it? Um, And we have a very rare occasion tonight in that Dan's in a somewhat better mood this evening. I was going to say, only United won. Very rare occasion. I know. What what is happening? Mm. Somewhere, like, pigs are flying. That's all I can think of. Chelsea won at the same time. I don't believe it. I'm not sure. very boring podcast. And I didn't have an awful FPL. I mean, it weren't great. But at least I was above the average, even if it was only by four points. <laughs> um, so, right. Okay, well, of course, all of that to come as usual. But first, we'll start with this. Damn the stat, man. So, yeah, as I mentioned, the uh, the stats on offer this weekend weren't amazing. <laughs> um, so you should get this one fairly easily. So should everyone that's listening. Um, Alexander Isak is the third Swedish player to score in three consecutive Premier League appearances. Who are the other two? Well, I've got one. One obvious one, isn't there? I can think of one other. If I, if it's not the other one, then I might mm. be struggling for another. But uh, anyway. Uh, right, well, as always, we'll get the answer to that later on in the show. Uh, we're going to do a quick fa- Fantasy League update because, frankly, it's been comedy. <laughs> Absolute good. comedy That's gold cool. for the last few weeks. So I think for the for a change, we'll talk about it when I've had an OK week. Uh, I got 48 points this week. I think that's most, nice. most I've had in about a month. I mean, it's still not great. And Where I did, are you now? I did take a minus eight this week, so it's, uh, I could have had 54. You took a minus eight? Yeah. Oh, so you got, you got 40 then. As it, have they not kicked in the eight points yet then? No, that won't count towards the... Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> so, I'm actually, I'm so I'm actually shit. I'm so below the average. Yeah. Why was? Why isn't it kicked in yet? The week's over. Yeah, but it won't show it there. That's showing you how many points you got, but it won't show you the minus. Oh, that's some fucking that. horse shit, that isn't it? <laughs> so if I go into the leagues, it's not gonna. It's gonna show me on forty. Or is it just not? It just shows forty yeah, points, it shows 40, but yeah. it'll only count forty. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. If you're in like a head-to-head, right? I changed my mind. We're not doing an FPL update. <laughs> I had a really good weekend because, I, like everybody else, I captain Son. I I think yeah. most people didn't go Haaland this weekend. I think it was too much of a gamble. Mm. And as it turned out, it was the right call. But I'll be honest, I was very disappointed in Spurs against Luton. I thought there'd be more goals in that game. Yeah. I think everybody did. Even though I still... I mean, I got six for Son. I got six for Madison and six for you, Doggy. So it wasn't a bad start to the uh, to the weekend. Anderson got me a clean sheet. Pau Torres got me a clean sheet and a goal. Uh, actually, no, sorry, it wasn't a clean sheet there, was it? No. Because Wolves scored. Yeah. Um, and Hoyland again. When's his float going to fucking turn up in the Premier League? <laughs> Doing bits in the Champions, Champions League. League. Looked yeah. unreal midweek. And I thought, <laughs> I was going to take him out. And then I watched the game midweek and I thought, oh, no, this is he's here, he's in, he's arrived. He's, he's going to be all over it this weekend against Brentford. scored. Yeah. <laughs> and Sterling as well. Yeah. Took him out for some this weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been one of, one of those weeks again. Um Bowen, I knew was a bit of a risk just because we were playing Newcastle um, and I knew that was going to be a tough game. Neto, I think, got an assist. I brought him in. So, yeah, it wasn't actually that bad. I mean, the, obviously, the eight points has killed me a bit, but if I could have more... If my average week was this, 
and then I had like every now and then had a much better week, I'd be fine. The problem is, is that this has been one of my better weeks, and all my average weeks are dog shit. <laughs> so yeah, how about you boys? How'd you get on? Yeah, I was dog shit. Um, I think I got forty one or forty three, something like that. The only player that really returned was Salah. He got fifteen points. If I wish I'd have captained him, that would have really. Did you captain Son as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, typical. Like the week before, he done really well, and then I captain him, and he fucking gets three. <laughs> But he was the only... I had Pedro Porro in defence, but other than um, Salah and Pedro Porro were the only two to actually return. Yeah. Pete, how did you get on? Um, yeah, pretty good. I got 55 points. Nice. I did use a wild card, though, just because I changed my team around a little. Um, maybe a shock to you, but I've taken Haaland out of my team. Ooh. Contra- I, thing is, I'd say he's controversial, but actually, I'm, if yeah, I look I at his points right now, three games in a row now, he's he's blanked two in a row, and then the two games before that, he got he did get a goal, got six. Um, I'm just I, thinking more from a cost perspective, because mm. it was like 14 mil. Yeah. And from that, I managed to put Son in my team, um, and then get oh, a few more. transfers out, he said. Get a bit more of a solid um, bench as well now. And it's paid off, I guess. I mean, Isak got me 13 points. I wish I captained him, but like you guys, I captained Son. Yeah. Um, and then all over the board, really, like consistent fours and sixes. Watkins got me five. So pretty happy, but I definitely could have done better. I think the Haaland thing is quite interesting, isn't it? Because he's 14.1 million. 14, obviously, if you bought him from the outset. If he doesn't score, at what point, how long do you, because we all know what Haaland's like. Mm. Sooner or later, he's going to start scoring again. But how long do you leave it? How long do you leave 14 million of wasted money mm. in your team before you do what Pete's done? And you look at their fixtures, Man City. I mean, they've got Brighton at home next. Depending on which Brighton turns up, that's yeah. going to be a tricky game. Uh, they have been very open at the back, though, which can, you know maybe makes me think maybe Haaland would be a good yeah, choice this I week. Yeah, for them, they're like the first team to have scored both 20 and conceded 20 in their opening <laughs> 10 games. <laughs> um, and then they've got Man United away. I mean, it's a Manchester derby. Sometimes form will go out the window with that. Who knows what's going to happen? Bournemouth at home, you think, would be fairly straightforward. And then they've got Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Villa. So they've got some tough games coming I, up. I can get two decent players for 40 mil. So. Absolutely. Um, so I think it's a... And even if Haaland goes and gets, I don't know, 12 points, 14 points even, as long as both of your players get six, yeah. I mean, I've they've got covered. Al- Alvarez... Isak and Watkins up top now. See, yeah. I'm I'm struggling at the opposite end. I've got Mbomo, or however you say his name. They and I'm like, he's he's worth like six mil, but he plays as a striker for Brentford. Yeah. Their next game, I think, is like Sheffield United. And no, you've like, got Sheffield United next, I think. Oh yeah. Who've Brentford have got an easy-ish game, I think. It's uh, like Burnley or something. They've like that. got Burnley, yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those, it's like, do I take him out against Burnley? And who do I replace him for for like six mil? There's not many, many... No one is going to get the sort of points Mbomo could get mm, for six mil. Exactly. So How much is, is Cole Palmer? I sort of... Could, I like the idea of him at the moment. But playing regularly. Mm, um, could be a... Chelsea scoring. Potentially good, penalty taker. Good, well, yeah, he took his penalty the weekend. Mm. Little differ, differentiator, whatever. however the word is, differential. differential yeah. Not that I can offer advice. I'm near the bottom of the list. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Foden's going to be the one I take out because he's eight million or so and there's quite a few different players. I'm, I'm leaning towards Bowen. Mm. No, you leave him alone. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what people do actually because Haaland's had two pretty poor, poor weeks. I mean, we're, we're talking about Man City in a moment uh, as a whole, but Haaland himself has had two bad weeks. You, you know that he's the kind of player that will go score for four next and then week. He'll score, yeah, three or four in the next game. Yeah, I think he's just too scary 
Because he's so highly owned, I just can't go without him. You don't want to be that one guy that yeah. takes him out and then gets caught. <laughs> but the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's one of those. It, it can it can make or break you. I think. But the thing is, with me and Pete, is that we really have a great deal yeah. to lose. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I certainly don't. Yeah. That's exactly the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, wow. So uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But um, yeah, all being well, I'd like I'd like to make my way into the uh, top echelons. I mean, I'm. I was 405th at the beginning of the week, and I'm still 405th. Hey. Um, oh, I mean, I've literally got to go so far. I'm still clicking next, still clicking next, still clicking next. So 434 people in our league, and I'm 405th. I'm on the, <laughs> I'm on the fight. Is there anybody below me that I, I reckon? Nick Evans, there he is. <laughs> I'm not even sure he probably knows probably what's going on. Across the Caribbean somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he is the only one of the people that I know that's but that's below me. So, uh, so I'm on whatever. Let's see who's who's at the very top. How many points is the person at the very top? Five hundred and fifty-two. Touch grass. Uh, and how many points have I? How many points did I say I had? Four hundred and three hundred and sixty-eight. So just a like just a hundred just hundred and seventy behind <laughs> after eight games. God, <laughs> fuck this game. I don't think you're winning FPL this year. No, no. Next year I'm just going to take my ten pound in the other leagues and just put it in the fucking bin. <laughs> so right, anyway, um, let's go to a kick about alternate universe. I think we've got quite a good one this week. Mm. Uh, so every week we pose a little question about the world of football and just come up with some answers and just have a bit of a chit chat, I guess. Uh, and this week we are. Posing the question that if you could go back in time and relive one moment or perhaps bring one moment back into football, what would it be? What one thing would you do you wish you could experience again for the first time? It's like when you watch an amazing movie for the first time and you think, oh, I'm never going to I'm never going to experience that for the first time ever again. So, Dan, what would be the thing that you would want to relive? Um, mine would be. Please don't say the ninety nine. No, <laughs> I was five. Would be pointless. <laughs> um, mine would be the Euro twenty twenty final, uh-huh. the entire game, just <laughs> when Luke Shaw scores to put us one nil up, mm-hmm. and it get, kind of gave everybody hope for a for an hour at least that we were potentially gonna, gonna win something. <laughs> that was buzzing, wasn't it? As England fans, yeah, yeah. The, the whole country just was. Yeah. On cloud nine at that mm. point, and we thought, "Oh my god, this is this is going to be our year." Luke Shaw of all people getting on the score sheet yeah. as well. Yeah, I think um, I don't know how I view England's chances at the World Cup. I really don't. The longer, the more I see from England, the more I'm just not convinced that we've got the not consistency. With the squad selections that he keeps picking as well. I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, we've obviously played really well against. I know it's, it's only Scotland. I say that with the. <laughs> with a bit of respect, there. I'm not su- suggesting that they're that bad because they've actually been very good recently, Scotland, but. That performance against Scotland was very, very good. But then you look at the performance against Ukraine, we were dread- we were dreadful. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if we've got the consistency to, to go out and win a, a major competition. The bottle. No. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Pete, what would be the one thing you would like to relive? Oh. Well, age aside, there was. I mean, I've got two really, but one's good and one's bad in a way. It was probably like the euphoria when we beat um, United away at Old Trafford in the FA Cup quarterfinal I think that was two thousand. yeah it was 2008 when we actually won it mm-hmm. um, who did you beat in the final that year Cardiff Cardiff so we beat, it, yeah. um, United then Spurs 2-0 and then we beat Cardiff in the final 1-0 yeah um, yeah just going back to then because that was like my first like big stadium experience mm-hmm. on the big stage when we were actually decent um, and then my second one for not the right reasons really is just 
our final time in the Premier League with Premier League players was the FA Cup final against Chelsea where we lost 1-0. Um, Did you get relegated that year? You were we, in the FA Cup final? Yeah, because we, we, wow. were, we were the only side to be in the FA Cup final and be relegated until uh, Wigan won the FA Cup against City and got relegated. That's right, But, yeah. but that, that day in general, we were relegated. We had nothing to us, not a penny to the name, but we still got there and it was just as a... A big, big community. Mm. Since then, what, we've had what, a fuck what, a, than a pizza cup. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird feeling to be in an FA Cup final, but knowing that you've been relegated. That mm. must have been a really weird range of emotions that day. Mm. But it, I think the problem is was, was the ages, because what, I would have only been 12 and then 14. Yeah. And that's just when you start to understand what football actually is. Yeah. So at this age now, I would have loved that. But... Um, Back then, it's a bit different, yeah. a bit more raw. Uh, okay, uh, my one, I'm going to be a little bit uh, controversial with this take because I would bring back some of the football players that played when I was a bit younger. So I'm talking about in the sort of late 90s, maybe into the mid-2000s era. I'm talking about the Brazilian team of that of that era, the French team of that era, the Italian team of that era. I don't think... When we look when we look back right now, we look back at players like Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Zidane, Omri. I don't know if in this current generation we're in right now, outside of the two obvious ones, Ronaldo and Messi, who else are we going to look back on in 10, 15 years' time and go, God, I wish I could watch him play again? Is there anybody you can think of? R9 Ronaldo. And that's what I mean. Like oh, I look back about him in, in in that vein now, but if you know, if we're sat in this room in 10, 15 years on episode 450 mm. of the podcast. And we say, oh, do you know what? I really wish we could turn the clocks back and go and watch, you know, Scott McTominay play. Like, Would you not put like Harry Kane in the category? This is the thing, right? He's obviously an amazing goal scorer, but has he had the kind of impact on people that Arnaud Ronaldo did? Yeah, you'll probably just take so him as a flair. Who could potentially take on that category? Jude Bellingham. Yes, I mean he just equaled Zidane's record, didn't? Uh, Ronaldo's, sorry, Ronaldo's record yeah. at Real Madrid, ten in ten. Uh, he's definitely in that conversation potentially. I mean, there's a Ballon d'Or if ever I've seen mm-hmm. one coming his way in the next few years. Um, Mbappe is he not in there for you? I just think he's a bit of a cunt. Yeah, I'm say, other than him being a prick. I didn't know. I mean that in in a way. I mean that seriously because he's he's for me he's tainted his reputation a little bit because of the way he is. I mean, I, I watched fair, though, Would you want to play for PSG in the French? Well, he's had, he could have gone to Real Madrid. He could have moved. I know he's and he's just taken. He obviously is not because yeah, he had a one year. Le- he had one year left on his contract, didn't he? Yeah, but he's about to sign a new one. Has he not signed a new one? Don't think so. Did he not? I thought all the all the talk was is that he backtracked and was now about to sign a new contract. I Maybe at the start of the season, I might have heard that. But yeah, do we don't know if he actually, actually signed, signed it. it. No. Okay. Um... I mean, there's still time for him if he does move on to say Real Madrid or wherever and becomes this, you know, well-being player. There's absolutely that opportunity. Southgate's doing all right in the golf, isn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know whether there's too many others. I mean, I could reel off name after name after name from that period of the mm. mid 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 to late nineties into the mid two thousands. Take some of the Premier League greats as well. Moment. <laughs> Is a generation. Yes, that's, that's <laughs> why it's controversial. Because I don't know. There's just, I mean, to Pete's point, like comparing Ronaldo to Kane. Kane, uh, Pete's absolutely right. It's a flair thing, right? But that's what gets you off your seat. That's what gets you excited about watching football because you've got these players. Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> One 
that's nowhere near that list, but one player I really enjoy watching actually is um, Matoma. Um, he just weaves in and out of players like like nothing. And Pedro Neto's kind of in that category in terms of dribbling as well. Yes, I mean, I would I would say you're right. They're they're, they're entertaining players to watch. But I, still I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not like Kakas and Ronaldo no. or anything like that. But in terms of players that I enjoy watching, that I don't think there's any like top players. Like I, I completely agree with what you said. There are no like Ronaldinho's or Kakas or anything like that. Yeah, somebody who can you know Messi in his prime mm. is probably the only one who's been close to that because of the way he could. Ronaldo again is another one. Um, I don't know whether I think maybe that football is almost. Has some of that flair been taken out because of the pressures of football now? It's become almost cl- it's almost the clinical. Of games they have to play. Yeah, like there's, there's there's tactics involved. I just feel like you know you think of that Brazil team from the uh, from that mid two thousands. Mm. You know they had like what was it Robinho, Ronaldinho, Kaká, Ronaldo, Gilberto, Roberto Carlos, Cafu. I mean these that entire team is legendary. There isn't one player in that team, uh, maybe apart from the centre backs because I can't remember off the top of my head who they were. Probably Roque Junior. Okay, every single one of those Brazilian plays was legendary and mm. it was like the way they played the game it was like they just enjoyed it like they were playing beach football um, and I don't know of any team I can think of now with a group of players who plays like that anymore Brazil certainly don't anymore Argentina don't they've, they've always been the same they've always pound on the edge a little bit Italy are a shell of their former self so are Spain Germany. so are Germany um, France are alright France are probably the, in my opinion the certainly on, on paper anyway the best international side mm. in the world with the depth they've got and some of their players coming through. So I don't know. I just I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's a bit too bit too clinical now. And I don't know who I'm going to look back on. Lewandowski maybe is you know if we're just talking about out and out amazing players and goal scoring players, Haaland will probably be in there in, at some point as well. I think Haaland's definitely. I've completely forgot about Haaland actually, but I think it's because he's still so young. But I don't know. Lewandowski is not really one that I'd even think of. Obviously, he's an unbelievable goal scorer, but Benzema. Yeah, I guess he's another one. He's, 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 I don't know how to say it. Like, I think because he's just a very boring striker. Like, he's obviously a great striker, but he's not like memorable. Like, yeah. He doesn't score screamers or anything like that. And that's kind of my point, right? Mm. Because they don't score those massive goals. He scores a lot of goals, mm. but not necessarily amazing goals. Um, and that's what fans remember. That's what mm. fans look back on. I think, you know, when you think back to Thierry Henry, some of the goals he scored, Dennis mm. Burkamp. Slacktown, would you put him in that category? I think I probably would, based on the same argument I've been making about the whole mm. flair. I mean, some of the things he did, especially in his early career, yeah. was insane. Um, and you've got to have him in there just because he's latter and some of the yeah. shit he's done on <laughs> off the pitch as well. Yeah. Um, if you're basing that, then his LM80 must be unreal for you. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, actually. If you think back at the LM80 when we first started on, on our YouTube mm. um, series, you know, Crespo, Vieri, Torres... Um, Ibrahimovic mm. on your side, Anelka. Um, yeah, these, these are maybe not Anelka because he's literally paid for every team in the Western, yeah. in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess that that's what I would like to do. I'd love to see a group of players sort of step up and become that next generation of amazing players that everyone remembers because they mm. were just so entertaining to watch. Like a team of like Dimitri Payets when he had that one season at West Ham, mm. or a team of. Uh, Eden Hazard, maybe he's another one because he did get you off your feet a lot when he was yeah, at Chelsea. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know. Um, I'll be interested to hear what other people think, whether they agree with me, whether they think I'm talking shit, or whether it's just football. It just moves on, and it's a, just a different era. I liked the um, the video that you put out on the LMA where one of his players stopped the ball 
pretty much on the goal line to try and score. Oh, that's <laughs> not it? No, it was, wasn't it um, uh, Marce- Marcelino? Where he literally stopped the ball and decided to do a keep up and then just smashed it against the post. <laughs> was, no. And then Charisma came in and scored. I'm sure it was Marcelino. I thought Marcelino finished it. No, Charisma finished it. Oh, did it? Sneak peek. Yeah. Just in case no one's watched it. Yeah, that was last week's episode. Yeah, that was. Uh... Did you ever <laughs> yeah. get back to yeah. that post? Nah, no, no, I did. Uh, I did. Did I message him about that? I can't remember. Him before. I messaged him before. I need to need to catch up with him and see if he's watched it. <laughs> so there we go. Right, uh, moving on then. Again. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, let's talk about the Premier League, and we're going to start with obviously the biggest game of the weekend, which in the end turned out to be not a particularly interesting game to watch. <laughs> One of the most boring. One of the most boring games. Um, but nonetheless, there's still things to pick out from this. Um, Arsenal getting the wing. Actually, right on cue, they're just showing Kovacic's challenge, which I wanted to uh, to talk about. Um, but first of all, let's talk about the fact that Arsenal have finally got the win over Man City. It's taken them a number of attempts to do it. Um, should we read anything into this from an Arsenal perspective and the Man City perspective about the prospective potential seasons now going forward? Is this a, a turning point moment, even though it's early in the season? Should we you know, talk about it in that way or is it way, way too early to be doing this? I think for it's a lot bigger for Arsenal than it is for City, to be honest. Mm. Um, like I, I don't think anyone can, other than like the head, the bloody um, newspapers and stuff like that, or suddenly talking about City being in a crisis and all that <laughs> shit. Um, but I think for Arsenal, it's massive to give them that boost because that. I, I mean, I didn't think they would win because mainly because although they have been winning games, they've not actually been playing that well, or not like they had been last season. Um, and they they just done what they needed to do against City, really. They they just saw it. Because, again, they didn't play particularly well. I mean, Raya at the back had a very shaky game and um, they got closed. I mean, Alvarez could have scored right at the start of the game when yeah. he just went sprinting at him and luckily it hit the side net him rather than Raya mm. booting it in his own goal. Um, and that's something that Ramsdale has been caught out with a few yeah. times last So that might worry mm-hmm. Arteta and the Arsenal fans and thinking, gee, we bought Raya to, to eliminate this bullshit that Ramsdale used to do and now he's, do, he's at it as well. Yeah, it's such a big game though, isn't it? You know, you go from a team like Brentford to playing in a, a game like Arsenal v City, almost a, not a, well, last year it would have been a title contender mm. this year. You know, obviously it's very early days, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's massive for Arsenal. I don't think it's that significant to City. Yeah, are we sort of saying that because City have been there, done it enough over the past few years that, that there should be absolutely no need for any panicking, any alarm bells yet? Yeah, because, I mean, because we know what they're like. Last season, they like fourteen points behind Arsenal or something. Yeah, and then they caught up and overtook and said, "See you later." <laughs> uh, Pete, from an Arsenal perspective, I mean, they, as Dan said, they've not really got going mm-hmm. in the way they did last year. But I mean, we're eight games in; they've not lost. They've no. they've managed to grind grind out some results against uh, you know some tough opposition. Mm-hmm. This weekend being the the biggest test. Stole results against certain teams as well. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> Are you uh, a little bit uh, a little bit salty about that? Um, but I mean, this is surely a positive, right? Because they've not got into into top gear yet, and they're grinding out results against big opposition um, and finding ways to win. And as the old adage says, you know, if you're not playing well, just make sure you don't lose and keep winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I I just saw it as a a game of chess, and I fucking hate chess. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, really defensive. I mean, defensively they were they were pretty good. Again, Haaland got cancelled out first by Virgil Van Dorsen and now by Gabriel. 
Um, Did you see Saliba's challenge on him? Yeah, what, the shoulder bar? The shoulder yeah, bar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely finally, smashed yeah, him. Finally playing against someone that actually hits the gym. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just it was such a cagey game and with, with Raya as well trying to play the ball out. He got off so lucky, but second half he was a lot better. Um, and Arsenal as a whole, you know, they they missed Martin and you could see how much they missed him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just some of the substitutions that Arsenal made, I mean, Arteta's always got a lot of flack for not making the substitutions at the right time, always too late. Whereas this time he got it bang on, yeah. And that that's where you need to give the credit, really. Um, Kai Havertz scores a penalty now; he gets an assist. His, his career's changed. <laughs> He's reborn again. Um, I, I think either both teams would have been happy with a point there, but Arsenal just managed to nick it. But I, I don't think it's going to make any significance to see whatsoever. Yeah. The fact that it was home. That you, you could literally see the 12th man of Arsenal, mm. the, the way that they got the crowd going and stuff. Yeah, I mean, for all of um, the, the criticism that's been levied at Arsenal over the years about how quiet the Arsenal, the Arsenal Stadium is, the Emirates, you know, they've been making a lot of fucking mm. noise recently. You know, they are, they're sensing something with this Arsenal team. I mean, obviously, it didn't work out for them last year, but they've still got a very young team, as we said. They've got an incredible basis now. They've, they've recruited really well. Declan Rice. Seems to improve with every game for them. He seems to be very, very important in that team already. He's a solid eight or seven or eight. Every single week. Every yeah, game. and you need that. In a, in a team like Arsenal that wants to compete at the top of the league and in other competitions, you need a player that can just you can rely on to do that every single week. Um, and I feel like... luck in the goal as well. It was a little bit of luck. You know, sometimes you need that in, in a game like this, just something to break your way. I was worried before the game started when I heard that Saka wasn't playing because... Arsenal haven't been. Mm. I don't, it seems weird because they have scored sixteen goals this year, but for some reason it feels like they haven't been, you know, free flowing. I mean, the, the mm. four goals they scored against Bournemouth last week, three of them were handed to them, really. So it, I don't know. It felt like maybe they haven't had that goal scoring threat, perhaps without someone like Saka. Maybe that's being unfair, given that they have scored sixteen goals this year now. But when I saw Saka wasn't there, and he is such a massive player for them, I did worry about. Oh, does that mean that their goal threats now kind of been diminished quite a lot? He's going to train with the England squad as well. He's he withdrew today. Oh, about yes. about two hours ago, he withdrew. Oh, okay. um, so I thought um, Jesus had a really good game. It looked like he had a point to prove out there. Yeah, he him being back is massive, and I don't think he's actually scored this season yet, has he? Um, but he's just, he's so important to that team. He is he is their Bobby Firmino. That is the way to describe him. Um, what about uh, Man City? Because they are suffering with one or two injuries and, and people not being around. Um, we've always talked about Man City's strength and depth, but here we are, two, you know, three games in, on the spin now that they've lost uh, in all competitions. They've... The Rodri effect. The Rodri effect. I mean, I was about to say, you know, has have we just seen, you know, we're talking about Rice with Arsenal then, how important he is to them. Are we seeing actually that Rodri is just as, mm. if not more important for Man City? You know, he's not around and all of a sudden things have kind of gone to shit for them a little mm. bit. Yeah, exactly that. I think sometimes, I mean, it was a bit like United with Casemiro last season when he, when he had those red cards and stuff, the form we were in, and then all of a sudden when Casemiro got that red card, mm. we, we sort of, our form completely dropped off. So when you have that CDM like Rice, like Rodri, that does just run the team and obviously back up the defence, I think it's almost like a missing jigsaw puzzle sometimes and trying to plug the gap with someone like Kovacic. I mean, I never really rated Kovacic at Chelsea, to be honest. No. Um and well, I mean, obviously we'll probably talk about it, but he, I, 
you shouldn't have seen 90 minutes. I was going to say, so long you play. Let's, uh, let's talk about it now then briefly before we talk about some of the other injuries they've got. Um, VAR is is VAR, right? I mean, obviously last week was, was, was horrendous as we talked about. Um, there is an element here of, of <sighs> it's, it's, it's human operator error, isn't it? You know, at the end of the day, you know, we, we sort of say the VAR is the problem when actually, in fact, it's not the technology that's the problem. It's the people operating it. That's the problem. Um, now we've seen a number of challenges. I mean, we, you know, we talked about the, who was the one who got the red card last week for, um, and over the top chat, it was Curtis Jones, wasn't it, for yeah. Liverpool? Yeah. Um, when you look at that and you look at the angling of contact, I mean, it's slightly higher on, on Basuma's leg last week. Mm. Um, but I would say it's no less dangerous in terms of potential injury that it can cause. And I think this is where the biggest problem comes in because it's consistency. How can how can you look at those two incidents, which are so, so similar? I would argue that Kovacic is worse mm. because he's come in without, you know... Curtis Jones's foot on the ball, the ball has taken away a lot of the pace and a lot of the force of his foot, even though it's directed it onto Basuma's foot. But Kovacic has come flying in and caught, um, was it Odegaard, I think? Yeah, Odegaard yeah. on the, just above the, the ankle. Yeah. I mean, that is a proper ankle breaker, that challenge. Yeah, I think it's weird that one, I feel like the referee should have seen it in real time and known it was in. I mean, he gave the foul and the speed of the challenge and obviously where it's gone in and he clearly didn't get the ball so I, one I don't know how it's not an automatic yellow card and then two for he nobody, did get booed didn't he the first challenge not yeah. the second challenge on oh, the second yes no you're right yeah and how nobody from VAR has said you know you might want to go and have another look at that mm. I just I just don't mm. really understand it mm. I mean Pete any sort of uh argument that you could say the other way in this one or is this no, as cut and dry as it comes I think the first one on Odegaard was an amber card yeah and 30 seconds a minute later he's then folding up Declan Rice like a deck chair <laughs> from behind and both, both challenges were from behind as well yeah he sees red every day he sees red yeah, I mean, there was one in the in the West Ham game as well. Bruno Guimaraes probably should have seen red. I mean, yeah. that, in terms of the aggressiveness Absolutely. of the challenges, it, you know, they, yeah. they're not comparing, but they were two yellow card offences all day long. Um, well, and then he, he did, uh, was it Paquetri gave a yellow card too for waving an imaginary card? Uh, yeah. Emerson. And then Almiron done exactly the same thing and he didn't get anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Consistency. So, yeah, it's very, very frustrating. Um, so, yeah, very lucky uh, Man City to keep the 10-player on the pitch and that would have been disastrous. I don't know when Rodri's ban is up. It must be about now. It's, it's, uh, is he back the next one? Ban, yeah, it's three games. So does, he, does he miss one more then? Conduct, yeah. Well, no, because he's done Newcastle that Cup was game. That. Does that not count? Uh, Newcastle, they lost to Wolves. I think if it was FA Cup, it might have counted. I don't know. No, I don't know the rules. It wasn't FA Cup. No, that's what I mean. But I, so I don't think that would have been one of his three. Okay. So he might no, have I one more it. then. He's either back next time or he's got one more. Mm. I think is obviously the, the answer. Um, but what about obviously some of the other injury injuries that they've got um, or players missing? Kevin De Bruyne, obviously we you mm. know we've not seen all season really. Um, but you say that. I mean, I feel like Alvarez has done an unreal job in that number ten role. He has, but. You know he's no De Bruyne. There's you know the no. De Bruyne and there's sort of the, his array of passing when mm -hmm. he's in the mood is just on another level. Um, will Man City be concerned? We talked about Haaland already tonight in the in the FPL section, but will Man City be concerned with what they've seen from Haaland in the last two games? Now I don't want to make a big thing out of this because that would be silly because we've seen enough from Haaland to know that you know as you say he can go out and score a hat trick next week. But do you think that Man City might be concerned that if for two weeks in a row Haaland has been nullified? Is there a potential that teams are beginning to suss him out 
and maybe develop game plans that can nullify him? No. No? No. No. Not, I thought I'd ask, you know. I thought I'd ask the question. Not over the course of the season. I'm missing Rodri defensively is a huge loss. Yeah. But he was also brilliant at getting the ball over and putting City back on possession. Missing De Bruyne is huge in front of goal. So when you've got the likes of Grealish, which is in and out of the team, Foden and um, Alvarez, mm -hmm. the main target is Haaland now. In terms of creativity, although they've got a great squad, he is the main target. If you can nullify that, then you've solved 50% of the game. Mm. Over the course of the season, it's not going to matter. I just wonder... Whether, you know, even though Arsenal didn't sit deep, I think Arsenal's game plan was obviously very different to Wolves' last week. Um, Arsenal were obviously way more intense, wanting to impose themselves on the game and all that kind of stuff. But the way in which they did it left Haaland very isolated. And we know for all Haaland's good things is that he's not the most technically gifted player with the ball at his feet. Mm. So he, he did struggle a little bit. With Wolves, they defended deep and just basically uh, Dawson just stuck to him like glue mm. all game long and didn't give him a sniff. So... I, I agree. I don't think there's any cause for concern right now. But when you see two teams nullifying it, what it will do to say to other teams is, shit, he can be nullified. You can get after him and you can massively reduce his threat. So it'd be interesting to see what other teams do now. Um, because if he... Big Lewis Dunk. Lewis, I mean, to, Brighton have got a job on next week because they have been very open defensively. Mm. So... Back to my point, you know, that Haaland could well get a hat-trick next week because he'll be licking his lips, I would think, against... Uh, That's fine, mate. Right, <laughs> look, if Chris overtakes me, then I'm not going to get bullied. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, I didn't see this, but what happened, <coughs> what happened after the game? There was a lot of temper flaring for something, but I, I actually have I no idea what it's about. The game off I'll be honest, I didn't know either. No? No, it was it... A load of stuff kicked off between the, the City squad oh. on a touchline. So. Yeah. Between the City what, internally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Within the City squad. Imploding. Not, uh, maybe they are in crisis after maybe. all. <laughs> right. They all captured Haaland. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on then. Dan, we're going to talk about United and they won a game. We're back. <laughs> Scott McTominay and, yeah. and Harry Maguire to the rescue. Heroes. Um, Dan, I'll be honest, um, I think this is getting a bit silly now because I heard Talk Sport the other day asking the question, and I, no word of a lie, they said, are Man United back? <laughs> I, I, I've never had the impulsion to ring up Talk Sport in my life, but I was very <laughs> fucking close to ringing them up and saying, what the fuck have you been smoking? What is wrong with you? Stop just trying that's to exact, bait people. That's exactly what they want. I know, they're just baiting people into a response, I know. Um, but in all seriousness, it's a win. Mm. It's three points. It's a much needed three points. It massively relieves the pressure on Ten Hag and it could have been so different you know two very late goals in injury time mm. um, how do you assess that game there because as I say you have won the game you have got yourself that win that you needed but when you dig underneath the surface it wasn't convincing um, and it, is it just a I don't know, kind of, all right, great, but we're probably still going to struggle next time we play and we need to sort out more shit and, you know, we shouldn't be reading too much into this. Um, it's difficult, really. I mean, you look at where we are on the table and it's one of those where it's like, well, three points is three points. We, we needed three points. Um, and Brentford last season, obviously, were quite, well, they're a very good team. This season, not so much. And I don't, I don't think that's harsh to say. Um, 
No, the table says that for you. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously, scoring two goals in 93rd and 97th minute to win it is, is very much to almost pulls the wool over your eyes. Um, I, I don't. It's difficult because I kind of want to take positives from it, but at the same time, I don't really think that you should be taking too many positives for it when you're, you're just about winning a game from Scott McTominay scoring two. Well, I mean, his first goal was good, but I don't know. I just... I just <sighs> It's difficult. I don't really know what to say. Like I'm, I mean, all all game you were pressuring them a hell of a lot, mm. but nothing got over the line. There's no end product, man. I feel like Rashford should be dropped. Um, I'd like to see him dropped and and Garnacho put in there because at the moment I feel like Rashford potentially thinks he's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Garnacho, whenever he comes on or plays, something happens. Yeah. And he, I think he's proved that he's good enough for the first team, more than good enough for the first team. So, you know, I think there's a real player there in Garnacho, and I think he should be given a chance when someone like Rashford's underperforming so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a thing flash up on Sky Sports earlier that Rashford's had the second most shots in the Premier League this season. How many goals he got? One. Yikes. Mm. Nicholas Jackson sitting there laughing at him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I'm not obviously. I'm not gonna. I'm not stupid. I'm not gonna take too many positives for it. Three points is three points. But like I said, this season we'd get a couple of hide-ins, um, and we got City coming up soon, and they're obviously been for a bit of bad form. So I'm sure they'd nof- love nothing more than to score six or seven against us. And I think last time we played them. Um, at their place, Harlan scored a hat trick and Foden scored a hat trick. So. <laughs> I think the thought of Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans on the well, that was you know, <laughs> back four. I mean, we had Lindelof right back, Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans at centre back, Mason Mount playing. Was where's uh, is Wamasaka <laughs> injured as well? Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of injuries to be fair, but you still look at the team that we're putting out, and it, it should be more than good enough to perform better than it is. Was it nice to see Amrabat playing in a? more natural position position. to him yeah again like Casemiro's been so up and down I mean I was saying how shit he was after the first few games and then the last couple of games he he sort of rescued us a bit and then I mean the goal they scored was an absolute shambles like Casemiro gave the ball away he even got dragged off at half time yeah Um, Casemiro gave the ball away and then Lindelof tried to clear it straight at their striker and then a P-roller straight under Anana yeah I mean I was about to touch on that point because Anana's coming under a lot of fire for his recent performances and rightly so this was another clang I make no mistake I know I appreciate there's three or four mistakes before that but he has to save that like mm. that that's such a such weak goalkeeping I don't really know how else to describe it and and I just wonder what Ten Hag is currently thinking here because sometimes when you've got a, any player regardless of his goalkeeper or anybody else if they're in this sort of form you want to drop them get them out of the firing line mm-hmm. let them kind of settle get their head settled and maybe try and in, slowly introduce them quietly away from the media focus and build up their confidence but who's I mean who is your backup goalkeeper? Uh, that Turkish goalkeeper we bought in the summer. I mean, would do you think that there's a chance that he might well, think with Onana really just do much worse, can he? Well, I mean, uh-huh. we're in this sort of situation like we were with Kai Havertz at Arsenal, where you spent a lot of money on somebody and it's obviously come with the mm. the added baggage that De Gea's out of the club. I can only imagine else. De Gea's laughing his head off at home. Oh, yeah, a penny for his thoughts. Mm. So I just wonder whether at what point and Ten Hag says enough is enough because yes, he's a fifty million pound goalkeeper. Yes, you've got to back him. You've got to support him. But there comes a point where he's, he's costing you goals every I think week. That's the problem, isn't it? When you when you make these signings and you make those big decisions, 
the fact that they let De Gea go and they bring in this fifty million pound goalkeeper for him to almost you know be at fault. For, I mean, De Gea was at fault I think for four goals last season that were purely down to him. I think Onana's already overtaken that. Yeah, I'm pretty. He must be on five or six. Season. Um, it's the same. I know I keep saying it, and it's becoming a joke. But the same with Mason Mount. I just feel like he's a maybe it's a bit harsh. He was injured for a while, but I just think he's a bit of a failure of a signing. And and you've got these two signings for 110 million, and both of them are flops in my opinion. I, with Mason Mount, the problem is, is that I feel like he is a good player, but I feel like he's gone to the wrong club. Not so far the fact that I think Maynard is a shambles. I just don't think they needed him. Mm. Um, I don't know where he fits in. I don't know if Ten Hag even knows that. And and you've overpaid for him. Mm. And I think all of that together just makes that a bad signing. Potentially puts more pressure on Mount as well. Mm. Um, and honestly, if I was Mount, I probably would have st- stayed at Chelsea. I mean, even though Chelsea have got their issues too. And 16 midfielders. And 16 midfielders. Yeah. Um, at least... Uh, at least he would have had a bit of a you know a bit of an identity there at the mm. moment. I feel like he's a bit of a he's a shadow at United, isn't he? He's just yeah. he's on the fringe, even though he plays playing. He's no one's talking about him. No one mentions him in passing at all. It's just a number at the moment. Yeah, he is. So it's it's a weird one. I did think it was quite touching though for uh, United to score two goals in Fergie time with him losing his partner as well. Mm. Very much so. Maybe like a a final wish. Indeed, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, look, it's a, it's a big win, big win for United, but they have to build on that. They've got Sheffield United next, who have got their own problems, big time as well. That is a must-win game for United. They're a draw in national breaks going to be. I mean, a lot of our players will be going on the international break, but if you can get a few back from injury, got to be sorting something out and and really having a look in, at what's in, going on in terms of recovery times for injuries. Would that cover the international break, or are you still going to be waiting? <sighs> Still got quite a few. I mean, I don't know when like Luke Shaw's back. We need a left back. I mean, yeah. we've got three and all three of them are injured. <laughs> um, yeah. Varane? Varane's... He's in and out. I mean, he's he's quite... He played the other... He played anyway. midweek, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And then um, Martinez is out for quite a while. Um, I think he's out for a couple of months oh, or so. Yeah, we, we are suffering with injuries, but at the same time, I don't think we can put it down to that. And it almost annoys me because... It potentially will be, you know, put down to that that we're missing so many players, which we are, but we're missing defenders. Yeah, There's the, that's not the reason we're not scoring goals at the other end of the pitch. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, I want to ask you: have, Has anyone here seen the Beckham documentary? Not yet. I was going to watch it. Yeah, ended up watching list. the Office. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I won't obviously spoil anything for you guys for watching it, but I think it's a, it's a really good documentary. I've seen two and a half of the four episodes I think there are um, I've seen snippets about Beckham talking about Ferguson and leaving for Barcelona yeah so Barcelona apparently came in for him uh, if I if I read between the lines correctly I, I don't know if it was a bit of a, a trick or a ploy but Barcelona came in for him and then Florentino Perez at Real Madrid said oh, I don't fucking think so um, you're, you're coming to Real Madrid and, and Beckham said he wanted to go there anyway um, but actually I, I found the um I found it quite eye-opening, in particular the part about Beckham in the 98 World Cup and how he was... I didn't realise just how fucking vilified he mm. was. You know, they were like... They were burning effigies of him. You had people, mm. like, um, making dummies of him and then, like, hanging them up from lampposts, like, stringing them up in the streets. He was absolutely public enemy number one. Um, and even Something Annabelle... It's a sacker, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Annabelle's not a football fan at all and she's she's been watching it. And she said, like... 
what is it? I'm sure with she's a David Beckham fan. I'm sure she fucking is. <laughs> um, she she was saying she's like, what is it with football fans? She said because she remembers after the Euro final, she remembers the Rashford and Saka stuff, um, and she just said, what is it with football? Why don't football fans understand that shit happens on a football pitch? She said, I'm not a football fan, and I understand that football has moments where th- unexpected things happen. Um, and it's I was, like that Bradley Lowry thing the other week. Yeah, it? exactly. Like just that. moronic people who, mm. for some reason, get so tribal with football. Um, the problem is, though, I feel like a lot of these people aren't actually football fans. They're like hooligan fans. Yeah, they are. They, they go to these games for one thing in particular, and it's not the football. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it was quite interesting. I thought uh, Victoria um, was... Quite, it's quite interesting to hear some of her takes as well. I saw a snippet of her trying to come across really humble and then Beckham saying about her getting in a Rolls Royce to go to school. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, so, no, if you haven't watched it, in, in what I've seen so far, it's, it's very good. It's uh, There's a, quite a lot of good details behind the scene. Um, I really love the way, one, th- one final point on this, when they were talking about the, the team of 99, the travel winning side, which actually... Ironically, I didn't realise, I didn't connect the dots. That was the first season after the 98 World Cup and Beckham mm-hmm. comes back in and wins the treble with United. Sort of the redemption arc that's then fully completed when Beckham scores that free kick against Greece to get in England into the Euros or the World Cup, wherever it was. Um, and um, yeah, he, he talked really openly about the struggles that he went through and he was vilify wherever he go the fan West Ham were the um, were the first team that they played against away at first game of the season and West Ham fans did not cover themselves in glory <laughs> holy <laughs> shit so yeah definitely uh, definitely give it a watch it is it is very very good um, to hear some of the insights the, the 99 team just they backed him all the time they basically said to him look we're a family and we protect our players and literally I'm sure Roy Keane it was either Roy Keane or Ollie Solskjaer said um, that we saw Beckham get hit by somebody and then we'd make sure that we smash them. <laughs> it, was, it was literally this sort of like, we've got your back type approach. They didn't care what he'd done. They were over it. He was one of theirs and they were going to make sure they protected him at all costs. And I thought that was kind of, um, in, it, it, just what we imagined that 99 team to be. They were just so together across the pitch and obviously they got the amazing su- success at the end of the season. Um, so anyway, yeah, give that a watch if you haven't already. Uh, let's move on then and talk Chelsea. What a ridiculous weekend. Man United winning, Chelsea winning, Spurs top of the table, Arsenal winning against City. Mm. But I think this is probably the shock of the uh, weekend, isn't it? Chelsea winning a football match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. <laughs> Since we recorded, they've won two games. One against Fulham and... Now one against um, Burnley. I don't like it. I mean, one of our main sources of comedy is beginning to dry up. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not a fan of this. But credit I've where credit's due. up to 11th. <laughs> credit where credit is due. They play well. Um, they look dangerous. Sterling had a, a brilliant game. Um, we'll talk about them in a second, but I want to talk about Burnley first because... It's another tough game for Burnley in, in the They've had the ridiculous worst run I've ever seen. <laughs> they are third bottom. Um, they've had an absolutely atrocious fixture fixture pileup. Um, but even though they got beat four one, I still watched them. I thought actually they didn't do that bad, and I still think there's something there. I, I don't think they'll be quite as mm. high up the league as perhaps we thought in in pre season. But I still don't think they're going to get relegated. I mean, this this is a thing with Chelsea. I mean, they they've had so many opportunities, but the ball would not go over the line. And now they've had a game where everything has gone their way. Yeah. So it's not that much of a damning result for Burnley. Do you think it's it makes it easier or harder that they've like had all these 
hard fixtures all in one go because part of me would think as a manager you'd be like look we're not expected to win these games the next lot of games we've got coming up are the ones we've got to win but on the flip side it's like right we've got to win these games now mm. yeah I would say you don't want to have a run of fixtures like they do at the start of the season I've always been a big advocate of confidence and no matter who you're playing that losing feeling is not a good one it's not a good habit to get into and as you rightly say it's now putting unbelievable amounts of pressure on them to perform in those games mm. where they're playing teams around them because they're now in the bottom three. So I think Burnley would... Um, I mean, look, the situation might be a little bit different if they had had that game against Luton, which obviously they did win in the end, if they had that earlier in the season. Who knows whether that would have done anything for their confidence levels. But yeah, I think if I'm Vincent Company, I'd, I would be annoyed at the fixtures that they've had because it hasn't enabled them to build any momentum mm. at all um, and they've you know they've conceded a lot of goals they've got the second worst goal conceded tally in the entire league because they've been playing frankly really <laughs> good teams um, Pete what do you think is this would you prefer it this way or would you prefer an, uh... no I prefer a mixed bag play City one day play Brentford the next that sort of uh, calendar if I if I was in the Burnley's position now, you have got the flip side of, right, all the bad teams are out of the way, we've got the experience, but on the same side, you're then deflated because you have lost every single game. Mm-hmm. You get up to a game against Luton or Sheffield United, Bournemouth, you have to win that game. And if you don't win that game, that's when you go, where are the points coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Dad, out of interest, what, would you, what was your answer? Did you give an answer just now? I can't remember about what you prefer would you prefer the hard games at the start or would you prefer a mixed bag would you would you prefer a really easy run and then have the hard teams all in one hit later in the season no, I think you need a mixed bag to sort of even things out I think a really hard run and then being sat in the relegation zone looking at all the teams above you and knowing that you've got to start picking up the points against these other teams is, is tough yeah uh, right well let's talk about Chelsea then because as you say it's two wins on the bounce they beat Fulham last Monday night while we were recording um, and they beat Burnley 4-1 here Lee you know has has maintained that Chelsea have been much better this season it's just that the goals have mm-hmm. dried up now that the goals have started to come through um, they've got Arsenal next big test huge game that could be a fantastic game of football mm-hmm. actually that one Um are we? Do we think then that Poch, you know, has he got them going enough now? Do we think we, they can kick on from this now? Or are you still not sure that this isn't anything just a flash in the pan and things will return again? Um, I think this game will, you know, when they play a, a slightly better team, I don't really think you can watch them against Burton. I'm not, like, down in them at all. You know, Lee will be like, oh, fucking hell, we won. <laughs> hmm. um, I think when they play one of these sort of teams, see how they get on. Um, I'd be really interested to see how they actually get on against United to be honest I, I, I couldn't call which team would I'd probably actually lean towards Chelsea out of the two um, because they can actually score goals and then they're not actually defending that badly really that was their biggest thing was that they couldn't score goals and Jackson's found the net now um, yeah I mean they've, they've only conceded seven goals which I think looking at this is the joint second best in the mm. league I think the only burden that Chelsea have now is the fact that they have not won at home in what over a year, is it now? What against a top ten team or whatever yeah. the state is, yeah. So um the goals are coming back, you know, they are playing well. We need to get in that top ten. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, look at looking at their fixtures coming up, it's a very, very tough run that Chelsea mm. got coming up now. They've got Arsenal, uh, Brentford, 
Then they got Blackburn in the cup, and they got Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton, Manchester United. Oof. And then next run, that's like you on anime manager. That's <laughs> yeah. The full gauntlet is, has been laid down. So Chelsea have a very, what I would say, season-defining run of fixtures coming up here because depending on how they perform in these and how many points they get out of them, could line them up for the rest of the season. If they get through these and maybe win three or four of these and mm. find themselves all of a sudden knocking on Europe's door again, then they can go on and who knows what they can achieve for the rest of the season. If they come out of the back end of this having only maybe won one of them, all of a sudden they're like back to where they were last season, sort of in that lower mid-table area, um, and just kind of steadying themselves for another bang average season or mm. mediocrity. I, I hope they do well, because my predictions had them up there, and I don't an absolute tit. <laughs> Where do we have them up in our league predictions? I think we had them up. I think I had them much. I think we both had them higher, didn't we? I think, mm, yeah. Maybe I would say like Europa League-ish. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I know that Lee is very positive about, about Chelsea, but I'll be honest, if I was looking at those fixtures, I'd be a little bit concerned. Yeah, and I mean, the, the teams they beat are obviously Fulham and Burnley, who this season aren't exactly flying high, are they? So, I mean, like I said, I think this game... Even if they lose, obviously they're not expected to win, but if they play well and maybe keep things tight, then that will obviously change perspectives a bit. But Yeah, I mean, look, Lee is, you know, well, I'm not saying just Lee, but you know, you look at Chelsea and you see the amount of chances that they create. It's one thing creating chances against Burnley and Fulham, it's another creating them against Arsenal, mm. you know, Spurs, who are obviously flying at the moment, Newcastle, who are a very resilient team. You know, yes. you're not going to create. 20 odd chances against those teams you wouldn't you'd be very surprised if they did so what that means is is that Chelsea can't rely on the fact that they their conversion rate is so low mm. they need to convert those chances when they get them because they might only get two or three good opportunities in those games they can't rely on having to create six or seven before they find them back in the net so that could be their Achilles heel against these teams Arsenal defending very well at the moment and and you know, that win against Man City could galvanise them and couldn't you know kick them into into life this season properly uh, in in terms of how we saw them last year. And Chelsea Spurs, I mean, I think um, you know we will talk about uh, Spurs a little bit later, but I think Spurs are depressingly, from my point of view, poised for a very good season. Mm. Um, but so um, will they win anything? No, it's Spurs, isn't it? Spurs don't win anything. Um, we'll talk about Spurs later, but let's move our attention now to the West Ham-Newcastle game. Um, both teams off of good European results, but in particular Newcastle, after beating PSG 4-1 in midweek, a result that's... I thought they would do okay in the Champions League group. I didn't think they put four past PSG. No. Um, now, you know, we're not going to have a conversation about the sort of shambles that PSG are in right now in their, in their team, but... What it showed is that Newcastle have defied a few expectations because I think people thought that there would be that hangover from last year, that maybe they wouldn't mm. reach the heights. How would they switch their focus with Champions League against Premier League? Would they focus on one, not the other? They had a slow start to the season. And they did, but they have picked up. Um, I think the draw was a fair result in this one. Um, West Ham started really, really well. Mm. First half an hour, looked really dangerous on the break, got the early goal, and then Newcastle kind of got a grip on the game without mm. creating too much. And then, unfortunately, the referee has made two very crucial errors in this game. And I don't like to be that guy that has a go at the referees and says, you know, that he's the reason for it. But when you've got Bruno Gomares, who is obviously a very influential player for Newcastle, makes two challenges in the space of 90 seconds, both yellow card worthy, only gets one. And he then gives a foul against Pakatar on Tonali, where 
I mean, I would say at best it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. At at worst, it's a foul on Paqueta. And then they go and score from that free kick after Alvarez inadvertently heads it into the path of Isak, who finishes well, and then they score another good goal as well. All of a sudden, in the space of five minutes, the game is turned on its head. Um, and West Ham need Kudus, who came off the bench and looked absolutely outstanding really off the bench. Yeah. Um, he has to start yeah. next time out. Like I love Antonio. I always have done. But on his day, he's unplayable. The trouble is, is that it is becoming his day less and less. Mm. And I don't Once think... Yeah, I don't think... I not that bad. <laughs> um, I don't think that you can continue to start doing this. And I know that... <laughs> I know that Moyes is very much um, somebody who who likes to to ease players in gently because I think he wants them to get used to the way that we play. Witness how hard everybody works so that you come on and do the same. But I think you've got to do it now. I mean, he's scored in his last three games for us now. I think um, in all competitions. I think you have to because if you play him in that front three along with Bowen and Pakatar, they can all rotate, and mm. there'll be a nightmare for defenses to track because they'll be all over the place. <laughs> Um, how did you guys view this game? Do you think a draw was a fair result? Were you sort of uh, leaning one way or the other? Yeah, I think it was a fair result, but any team could have nicked that in the end. I mean, both teams had chances at the death. Uh, West Ham started so well. Um, Newcastle, whether they're... I mean, Eddie Howe put it down to fatigue, but, I mean, I'm not... Nec- I don't really agree with that mm-hmm. because... It's an, easy, it's an easy excuse to make, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, whatever he said at halftime obviously pushed him into action. And West Ham probably caught sleeping for five, ten minutes, I guess. Um, but great way to get back into it. And really entertaining game. Yeah, it was. It was a cracking game of football. Um, Dan, do you, if you're a neutral here, or in fact, actually put yourself into a West Ham fan, are you worried that West Ham are getting into that position where with the players they've got that they're going to start being poached? I'm talking about players like Pakatar, talking about players like... Uh, Thomas Suchek has been linked again with a German club this week. I think it was either was it Munich a year or two ago. I don't know if it's them again. It's funny but... that one because like last season you wouldn't have touched him with a barge no. pole, but this season he scored a couple of goals again and and he's hot property. He's do you know what he's been completely released by the fact that Rice has gone. Mm. Um, right, he was having to accommodate his own game because. West Ham put so much emphasis on allowing Rice to kind of control games and do what he wanted. And Suchek was basically just having to fill the gaps. Mm. Um, and when when he first came to us, it was the other way around. Rice was just sat there doing the boring stuff and he was allowing Suchek to go forward. And then all of a sudden, Rice wanted to start going forward mm. and Suchek had to sit. And that's not really his game. He's not a holding midfielder. Box to box. He's a box-to-box arrival eight and, and score goals. And we're seeing a bit of a revival from him this year. And I think West Ham fans have all kind of mm. in unison agreed that this is the Suchet that we had three years ago. Yeah, Sufal's been very good this year as well. Yeah, he's back in good form as well. Um, last year, I think he was playing through the pain a lot last year with a few injuries that he sort of like was just didn't bother getting sorted. Now, now you look back on it, given the circumstances of Rice going, are you happy that he's gone given the players and the way you're playing? Um, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So right now I'm going to say yes, because I feel like there are times, I mean, we're seeing, in a way, we're seeing the same thing with Spurs right now with Kane going. Yeah. We're seeing the I, same. I was literally thinking the same thing, almost like Villa with Grealish going. Yeah. Uh, it, it, all of a sudden, you've got this, this talismanic player that, rightly or wrongly, everybody, including the fans, looks at and thinks, when, we're, when, when the shit's up the, uh, the fan, we're looking at you to get us out of it. 
Mm. And all the pressure goes on to Kane, it goes mm. on to Rice, it goes on to Grealish. And as soon as those those players are no longer there, it's like, right, well, which one of you boys is now going to step up to the plate? And the good thing is, is that West Ham, thanks to that um, uh, Tim guy, the, the director of football, we've recruited really well. Uh, James Ward-Prowse is arguably one of the buyers of the summer. Alvarez has, has settled in really quickly. Kudus looks like he's going to be I thought he was a fantastic a player. Alvarez. No, he's, he was a holding midfielder at Ajax. Um they're not doing too well, are they? No, they're not. Sixteenth or something. No, they're it's not just doing interesting well. because I mean, you, you've, yes, you've lost Rice. It was quite. Was it near the end or was it right at the start? I can't remember. Uh, right it me. dragged on. I think it was maybe. Yeah, I think you're three not weeks. in charge of the negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was maybe three weeks before the start yeah. of the season, give or take. So you had a stinker of a season last year. Arsenal were doing really well with Rice. Casemiro was the heart of United and when they lost him through injury or however many red cards he got last season <laughs> and the same with Rodri as well it's just weird how that sort of CDM role works within different teams yeah I think what we're seeing is is that the, the way in which teams play now um, they're not necessarily just as you know when you when you say the word CDM sometimes you can be lulled into thinking a CDM is all about somebody who can break up play and win the ball. Yeah. Actually, these days, it's more about what you can do on well, the Well, I understand. Ball. Yeah, Rice was more well, box-to-box, I guess yeah. you could say, whereas Casemiro probably falls into that category where Rodri doesn't. Yeah, I, I think what, 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 we've, what we have missed from Rice is his um, ability to drive forward with the ball when he won it back because he was at, he's actually deceptively quick rice when he when he goes through the gears alvarez isn't really that type of player but because we've got players around him now like pakatar's in fantastic form this year bowen's looking really sharp he's just mm. signed a new deal obviously that's going to take him to 2030 until he's 33 years old and he's mm. even said this week that if he can finish his career at west ham he'd be happy i wonder how much his father-in-law had to say about that <laughs> um He's on. He's our highest earner now, I think, and he's there's no wow. no release clause in his contract either, which is which is huge, because um, that t- again takes the pressure off of West Ham needing to sell. Can't really see him at another club. Liverpool were linked with him before. Um, I think he could suit Liverpool. <laughs> he is. I, th- I think he's an underrated player. I really do. Um, For but you're blood pressure. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you are right. He, he's he's so well entwined with West Ham mm. and what we do that it's difficult to see him doing that anywhere else. It's a little bit, to a point, it's a little bit like how I felt when Grealish left Villa. Yeah. It's like, how do you go from being that guy at Villa where you're so loved, you're so kind of, um, like you're in the DNA of that team and you're going to Man City. It's a, it's a big change. It's what I like about the EFL players, though, is because like, sort of like Jamie Vardy, I'm not saying Jared Bowman is a player like Jamie Vardy was in the Premier League, but when you give them a chance, they always um, pay back in, how would you say... Their loyalty. Loyalty, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think, and he's absolutely yeah, deserved. Like Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bowen's absolutely deserved yeah, his contract. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bowen has absolutely deserved his contract raise as well. Like he's won us, you know, he scored the goal that won us our first European trophy. He's been ever present in the last few years. He's knocking on the door of the England team. Um, I don't know how much money he was on, but he, that's this is his first new contract since we signed him from Hull. So mm. I don't think he would have been on a huge amount of money after signing from Hull. Maybe. 40k a week you were about four five seasons yeah I think we, we signed them on contract extension after the season he had the year before maybe he did maybe I'm misremembering but even so I don't think he was Change anything shit facts out <laughs> <laughs> maybe I mean look even if he did he still wouldn't have been anywhere near our highest earner mm. I would have said I, who do you reckon was your highest earner 
Uh, as far as I know, it's Danny Ings. Would you believe? <laughs> Fucking hell! Yeah, as far as I, it's, 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 it's either him or Kurt Zuma. As, as far as I'm aware, wow. but when I mean the thing is right, his levels. Our highest earner is about 130. Yeah, um, so lowest, I think. <laughs> so yeah, it, it it makes it whenever you say he's our highest earner at the club, it's sort of like you automatically these days think, oh, he must be on 250k yeah. a week. But that's not the case at West Ham. Obviously, we're we're not at that level. Um, so yeah, all in all, um, really pleased with with how things are going. Um, I'm not going to sit here and 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 be too hypocritical and say that I'm enjoying the style of football, mm. uh, particularly because I'm still a fan. I'm still not a massive fan of the brand of football that we play in the Moyes. And actually, I, the flip side of that is I will say that I was impressed with the way West Ham actually pushed for that winner at the end and kept mm. the ball and moved mm. the ball through the thirds. Because when you play a defensive mindset like we do and play on the counter. As soon as you go behind in a game, it's next to impossible to play that style of football trying to get into the game yeah. because the other team can just switch focus and go, well, we're not going to come at you now, so you can't counter us. Especially a team like Newcastle. Exactly. So, yeah, I was pleased how we got back into the game. Um, I think Kudus is going to be one hell of a player for us. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, um, so hopefully he gets some more game time. Uh, Newcastle-wise, though, um, they've got quite a lot of injuries at the moment. They are struggling a little bit for, for personnel. Um, but I think what we're seeing is is that they're, they're not or they don't seem to be prioritising one over the other mm. because they're still playing very very strong teams in both competitions maybe that's being forced because of the injuries mm. um, but uh, I think Newcastle got every chance of winning that group you know in the Champions League the way they played on Thursday mm. against against uh, PSG I know they were they were you know heavily under the cosh against Milan but they you know they withheld mm. I think they've got a chance you know of winning that group it certainly helps them with Milan drawing their game who else is in that league Dortmund. it's Dortmund, Dortmund isn't it so they drew didn't they yeah. Dortmund and, and AC Milan drew yeah so yeah I think um, I think Newcastle have got a chance I'm gonna I'm sure if Shearer's listening he'll probably be uh, all over that but I think they've got I think they've got a good chance what about the Premier League though for Newcastle because if they, you know, let's say they get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, for example, I think you would class that as a success for, for Newcastle in their, in their first year back. What would represent success if they did that? Would the fans be happy, do you think? Having had a taste of the Champions League, would you think they'd be happy if they ended up, say, seventh in the Conference League? I think so. I mean, you look at the, you know, you've got City, Arsenal and Tottenham, top three at the moment. Um it's all about who's breaking into that fourth place for me. I think Tottenham, the way they're playing, unless something crazy happens, they're, they're, they'll probably seal that third Champions League spot. So last season, there were like two Champions League spots up for grabs. Newcastle and United were sort of fighting for third and fourth. And then you had a couple of teams that were like poking their head in. But um, and I think if the season had carried on for a few more games, Liverpool might have actually nicked that fourth spot. Yeah, it probably would have done, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously you've got Liverpool up there, um, potentially going to get that fourth spot this year. So I think it's going to be really tough to get Champions League football this year, um, especially with Brighton and Villa playing so well. So Yeah, I mean, it's, it is quite tough. I mean, I know we've only played eight games. So it's only four points separating the top six. Um, so it is very tight up there at the moment, which is, which is good because I think uh, the one thing we can say about the City situation is, is that Perhaps we need to put the brakes on a little bit when we were saying that Man City would win the league by by Christmas. Mm. I think we can probably say that clearly that's mm. not going to be the case. We would, you know, perhaps you would say that. 
Um, and from a neutral point of view, it's nice because it means we've got multiple teams at the moment who who might have a say in this title race. Yeah, I mean, yeah, from a neutral point of view, I mean, I couldn't think of anything worse than Arsenal winning the Prem, but... Spurs winning the Prem would be worse. Nah, not for me. No? Nah. You hate Arsenal that much, do you? I hate them more than I hate Spurs. Really? Yeah. Liverpool? I think AFTV is a big part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. <laughs> to be honest, it's <laughs> these days it's only one bloke on AFTV. It's fucking tight. Yeah, <laughs> the biggest weapon I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Bloke's in his forties, wears the same tracksuit <laughs> headphones, <laughs> and has the most horrendous brain dead takes on football mm-hmm. I've ever fucking heard. Um, so uh, yeah, I, but I know what you mean. I would hate to see Spurs win it because they're obviously they're a big rival of us. Mm. At the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, hate on Spurs for winning a trophy. I just don't want them to win the Premier League. Yeah. If they won an FA Cup, I'd be part happy for them just to get that monkey off their back. But I don't want them to win the Premier League. Mm. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> um, who would you rather, Arsenal or Liverpool, Dan? To win the league? To win the league, yeah. This is when I had to choose between City and Liverpool. <laughs> Probably Arsenal, I think. So the hatred runs deeper for Liverpool, does it? Yeah, it's got to, hasn't it? <laughs> um, right, okay, let's move on. We're going to switch our attention now to the other end of the table momentarily. We're going to talk about Everton against Bournemouth. Um, going to whiz through these last couple of games because there's not as much to talk about with them, but massive result for Everton. Yeah. Up and down results, haven't they? Beat, uh, beat Brentford, uh, then lose to, uh, was it Luton? Yeah. Uh, and then um, stuff Bournemouth. I don't Shoot. know... Personally, he should have only been 2 0. Which one are you referring to? The third goal. When Decore like throws his man to the floor. Oh, God, yeah. How the fuck was that <laughs> given? Yes, yes, sorry, I remember now. Um, I just wonder, though, how much of this result was Everton being good and how much of it was Bournemouth being <laughs> very poor? I think a mixture. I'm surprised at how bad Bournemouth have been, to be honest. Do you think. <sighs> Obviously, the hierarchy, we don't know the exact reasons behind why Gary O'Neill was sacked. But given how the seasons are going, I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but do you think they'll be somewhat regretting that decision now? Well, aren't the new owners, did they come in during the summer? They came in during last year, didn't they? During the season. Like in, no, it was on the off season, wasn't it? Was it? I thought it was, to, it was towards the end no, of the yeah, season. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you are right. Um, I wonder whether they've tried to do a Todd Bowley... And you know, because they are American, aren't they? they? Are, yeah, because Michael B. Jordan's one of the. Oh, God, yeah, of course he yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder whether they've, you know, who's this Gary O'Neill? Whatever is Gary O'Neill in it? Yeah. Yeah, who's this Gary O'Neill? Let's get some sort of big foreign name in. Legend. And yeah, and I, I, it's obviously not working, is it? And then obviously you look at Wolves and they've started off, although they weren't picking up points, the football they were playing was actually quite good. I mean, I've said before they should have beaten United. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, but it's funny. I I I mean, I actually quite like Bournemouth, but when an owner comes in and does that for personally no reason whatsoever, I mean, I thought he'd done unreal to keep Bournemouth up last season. He didn't. I think the entire footballing world yeah. was in shock when yeah. they were sacked. So um, I think yeah. what it what it what it shows is is a real lack of understanding mm. from that ownership, and it's it's as you say, it's the Todd Bowley mantle. And he's not the only chairman to have ever done this. No, by the way, you know, no. many many others have done it in the past as well. It's where they come in. It's almost like they feel like they have to flex their muscles. They have to make this exactly make a stamp on it. And what they've done is is they've just torn up what was a formula that was working, Mm. albeit, you know, only just. It worked nonetheless. 
I just can't see why they would have changed that. You know, they, they clearly didn't understand the predicament that Bournemouth find themselves in. The fact that they aren't spending heavyweights in terms of what they can bring in, and they brought in a manager who they've probably decided is a more marketable manager, mm. possibly. You know, with the brand of football that he plays, the fact that he's a foreign coach with a with a type of football that will appeal to people. And it's That's championship. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not working. And they, they have yet to win a game. I mean, they started last season exactly like this, got Gary O'Neill in. And he didn't even want the job. I don't know, maybe it was that. Mm. Because he spoke for months saying that he didn't want the job. And then he was like, well, well, we'll see what happens. Next thing you know, he's on a unbeaten in eight or nine run, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he got the job and then he, mm. it went shit. Like yeah. it, it was Solskjaer. And then he um, he put he turned it around towards the end of the season and managed to get them out of trouble. You reap what you sow. I think it was a really bad decision. They've started terribly. They've not made any relevant signings from what I can think of. No, I mean, Justin Cliver was always a signing that was a massive gamble roll of the dice because he's promised a lot in almost every club he's been at. He's moved around a he's lot. He's moved around a lot. Around. And he's been at some decent clubs yeah. as well. And it's always one of those, is, you know, if you've promised a lot in those decent clubs and done nothing... And you then, with the again, greatest respect, you are then coming to Bournemouth. I think mm. you're probably it's a risk because yeah. you think, well, if you're that good, why are you playing for us? Mm. Um, it's like the Ravel Morrison, you know, all those years ago. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I I really worry for Bournemouth. They've they've got a horrendous a goal difference already. They've only scored five goals, which I think is the lowest in the league. Um. I don't see where these goals are coming from. Solanke's yeah. goals are dried up. I think he has had an injury Billing or two. played a huge part last season and he's not been firing no. at all. Um, Kiefer Moore is, frankly, I don't think he's good enough for no, the Premier League. Um, so, Bournemouth have got a long season ahead of them, yeah. I think. Um, they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season, I suspect. And, you know, whilst we're on the whilst we're on the subject, because the rest of the games we're talking about tonight don't involve managers that, in my opinion, are under any pressure. There hasn't actually been a huge amount of talk this season so far about managers under pressure, not not to any mm. re- real degree, which is unusual. Because eight games in, usually by now we normally had our first fair, casualty. I feel like Ten Hag has has been a little bit of talk about him being under pressure. There has been talk. But I wouldn't say it was a. You know, I don't think he's ever been that close to saying right. If he doesn't win his next game, then he's probably going to go. He's not got Brentford fans were singing. <laughs> Um, I mean looking at the table now looking at everything that's happened this season um, which managers do you think are under the most pressure right now and who potentially might be the first to uh, get the chop I think Paul Heckenbottom with Sheffield United is probably the first on the chopping block yeah Um, we're not talking about that game are we that goal by Kearney was unreal Joe, I, I didn't over, kicked it at his own foot. It just loops over, hits the bar, hits the goalkeeper. Mm, it was a satisfying goal. The, the, the funniest thing was is that on the um, on the radio when I was at, I had Talksport on in the in the short journey back from the pub on Saturday after football, um, they were talking about that goal like it was like a goal of the season. <laughs> and then I watched it back and I was like, "What are these fucking blokes smoking?" But um, no, it was uh, obviously we you know we should also mention that um, you know wish Chris Chris Basham. Oh, the best because that injury was absolutely horrific um, for him. So uh, he's he has done a post on social media today saying yeah. that he's he already had. Up as well. Yeah, he did. He, he's had one bout of surgery to to correct some of the damage, and he's got another one to fully correct the injury to begin so the healing process. I might be wrong, but that was that's like self inflicted injury. Yeah, yeah, I think was, yeah, just dragged on the ground. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think they went shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> didn't they? And then he's like. 
I don't think I didn't no, think they did. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> well, obviously, I mean, on yeah. match of the day, they didn't they didn't show it, and the camera was far enough away, and the bloke was almost blocking mm. the view, so you, you couldn't see anything anyway. I unfortunately Sky showed the replay about twenty times. Oh, did they? Yeah. That's, that's unusual, Sounds actually, yeah. because no, you normally once you realise it's that serious of an injury, they just don't show it. Mm. Um, but I unfortunately saw a still of the the injury on social media and it was not pretty. I saw like a, a zoomed in image and it almost looks as if his uh, his toes just dragged on the ground. How, right. how it's happened, I've no idea. Yeah, I, I, it looked to me from from what I saw a match of the day, it looked like he was running down the wing, he tried to get across in and then has basically just got his foot mm. sort of tangled underneath him. Um and it's one of those ones that on another day that probably doesn't do anything. No. And it's just, you know, he's just got so unlucky. It'll be like you with your mm. knee. Um one of those things where you just one day Stars align and, and causes that much of a It'll of an give injury. Me flashbacks like World War Two. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he had surgery within twenty four hours, and you're still waiting. <laughs> you're still waiting eighteen months later. Uh, yeah, I, I think Paul Heckenbottom is probably the first on my chopping block. I would put Ten Hag in the category, but <clears throat> I mean, realistically, he doesn't deserve to go. You know, like like Dan said, United have been in problems for years now, and you could put anyone in charge, and it still wouldn't get any better. Yeah, I think for, with with Ten Hag and United, I think that things are they're just bobbing along at the moment, aren't they? There's there's nothing really crazy wrong, nothing crazy right. Mm. You know, one week they're shit, the next week they will find a win, and even though they don't play well from a league perspective, it just keeps them keeps their head above water. I think you've got a. I think he's got to be given more than one and a half season. Well, not even halfway through this season. Well, they can keep Ollie that long. I'm pretty sure they can keep him. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like managers do need two or three seasons because he's still got, although he's obviously had a few transfer windows bringing his own players, he's still got a lot of players there that he doesn't want at the club. And some of the players who don't want to be in the yeah, club as well, which, yeah. which also doesn't help. There's different risks when you, when you talk about these tiers of managers because if you put Ten Hag next to Paul Heckenbottom, there's obviously a huge difference between them. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier for the teams down the bottom to roll the dice and change the manager because mm-hmm. the, the loss of income from getting relegated from the Premier League, you're talking nearly a hundred million yeah. just for one season, including all the, the rights and everything. So yeah, I think he's gonna be my first to go for the Bournemouth manager. Yeah, I suspect um yeah, I mean I think Ten Hag is is fine. Um I think that the Luton Town manager, I think, is is fine for the time mm-hmm. being. Yeah. I think that they've had some good results. They've had some good results. Their performances have got better mm-hmm. as well. They're fighting yeah. a lot harder than they were. Um, their quality is still nowhere near good enough. I mean, that chance. We I mean, will talk about that game in a minute. But that chance that Adebayo missed <laughs> against yeah, Spurs. I mean, that yeah. that's at this level, you cannot miss chances mm-hmm. like that against teams like Spurs, yeah. especially. Um, so yeah, I think Paul Heckingbottom and Bolton Bournemouth. Ball- I know it sounds easy because they're the bottom two teams in the league, but you just look at what's going on right now and as Pete says at some point they're going to have to try and roll the dice because they've effectively got nothing to lose yeah at one point I thought potentially Pochettino but I feel like he's sort of brought himself back up again obviously with the last two wins and stuff yeah I mean based on his historical Graham Potter got quite a long time and things were not right for quite a while with him so Mm. he got what two thirds of a season before they got rid of him or however long Mm. it was so I think they were always going to give Poch until well, I, Christmas. I, for me, that was because they sacked uh, Tuchel when he probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, didn't necessarily deserve sacking. Yeah, and then I feel like they stuck with Potter instead of having pie on their face. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think you're right. I think I think ultimately the um, 
the situation at Chelsea and Manchester United is not too dissimilar. Is that you've got two two owners with very different varying different approaches, but with equally less knowledge of the game. Um, but both of them are doing just enough to keep their heads above water right now. That you know, a couple of wins on the bounce, and all of a sudden the conversation changes very very quickly about both managers. And it's the same with Bournemouth and Sheffield United. But Bournemouth, for me, I think I think he'll be the next one. I think Sheffield United. If you take that nine that nine nil out of the equation, the nine one, whatever it was against Newcastle, um, yes, they haven't won any games, but their goals conceded would be actually pretty good for a team mm. that's down the bottom end of the league. They're fighting hard; they just haven't quite got the quality to score goals, and I don't know where their goals are going to come from. Missing and die was it? Who was the, is it? And die the one they sold in the summer? Um, not sure it was in die they had a striker up front that they sold in the summer he was scoring a lot of their goals last year and i think losing him has had a big impact because they've just not replaced him not mm. in yeah um Sorry. cameron archer um has, has looked sharp at mm. times but i think he's not going to be someone getting them all the goals so yeah i think the bournemouth manager will be the first to go i think if they don't win in the next couple of games i think he'll go yeah um so uh, right okay moving on um, we'll just touch on the on the loot and spurs game very quickly um I'm not going to talk about the Brighton Liverpool game because I think we're going to kind of run out of time. We might we might get a chance to talk about it. Uh, Luton nil, Spurs one. It's a it's an important win for Spurs, um, and a little bit like Arsenal, possibly, well, definitely weren't at their best, but found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Um, a good trait for for and Postecoglou, who's you know unbeaten start, only one of only two teams now in the league to be unbeaten. Um, yeah, I mean. It's, who would have thought here we were sat with a brand new manager who's you know hasn't really had a job at a, a, a this is a horrible thing to say because obviously he was a Celtic but a club like Spurs in a league like the Premier League he's never had that sort of a challenge big a big club all right <laughs> um, don't have to beat around no look Celtic are a big club in their own way but it, I'm talking about the challenges that the Premier League presents compared to the Scottish League um, very diplomatic of you. thank you. <laughs> Good save, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, he's come in, done an amazing job. They've lost Harry Kane in the summer, really late as well, by mm. the way. It was like on the eve of the first game. Didn't replace him. Either. Haven't replaced him at all, and yet here they are, top of the league after after eight games. Well, how how impressed have you guys been? Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> how do you how do you guys assess this start, and where can they go? <laughs> Anyway, it's down. I think. <laughs> let's I let's still, hope. <laughs> I, still, I still stick to. My, what I've been saying over the past few weeks is that they're not going to get any better than this. Yes, they <clears throat> they definitely weren't at their best, but they were also playing a poor side in, in terms of the Premier League um, way. And yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it staying this way. They're going to drop off, and then they, I think they're going to drop off in fine fashion. I think Madison has had a massive impact. And yeah. Although obviously. It's been clear the impact he's had. I think it also is quite underrated, the impact he's Yes, had. I would agree with that. I also really like Van der Ven. Um, I think he's already developing quite a good partnership mm. with Romero. And and also... Pedro Porro's been good. Pedro Porro's been good, yeah. Um, I, I really like Romero. I think they highlighted it on Match of the Day, maybe, or, or it was somewhere else I saw it, that Romero has... has Calm down a little bit because obviously he was one mm. loved a rash challenge get him, yeah sort of like you know that that sort of streak in him where he would do something stupid and get himself sent off he just seems like his decision making and his um his mental f- attitude towards things has changed a little bit now that might come with the fact that Spurs are doing really really well so it's easy to mm. stay focused when the team is doing really well but I do like the partnership he's built up Madison's been outstanding um 
Son has been good, but also like people like New Doggy, Basuma stepping yeah. up to it. We'll talk about him in a second. Sar in midfield, you know. I mean, I know they're going to lose Sar and Basuma in, in January for the mm. Cup of Nations, which could have a big impact. Um, but on Basuma... Um, Silly. I mean... It's madness. I'm glad it? that he got sent off for that, though. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I've, I've not seen that. A lot of referees could bottle him doing a second yellow for a dive. I think it's not necessarily that you see it bottled a lot, but I think it's you see it bottled a lot when it's in the middle of the pitch. Mm. You you know you can often see players getting booked for second yellows when it's they're trying to win a penalty, but obviously he's what five ten yards outside the box when he mm. does it. So yeah, fair play to the referee. And I like that there were no complaints either. Like yeah. even the Tottenham manager like didn't even you know keep up a fuss. Yeah, I mean that's one thing I do like about Ange is that um, he's he just says it how it is. Mm. <laughs> um, what was it he said the other day? Uh, you remember Klopp was obviously going on about the replay from last week, and Ange said, "Yeah, you can read that replay on FIFA if he likes." <laughs> <laughs> just shit like that. I mean, yeah. you know, he endears himself to the wider football public um, with comments like Did that. You see, um, when someone asked him about, um, he was like, "Oh, I know you," because he was like, a, he used to play FPL every year, apparently. But right. So you can't now. And um, one of the reporters said, "Oh, obviously, I know you're massively into your FPL." He was like, "Because I think Madison had a yellow flag, didn't he?" Oh yeah, he wasn't sure he, he was going to play. Like, yeah. Should I, um, should I be putting Madison into my uh, FPL team? He's like, I don't care what you do with your FPL. Team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's got a very dry sense of humour. He's, he, I think he's gonna fast become a fan favourite mm. in the Premier League for the way he deals with press conferences and stuff. A little bit like um, when Mourinho first came in, you know, before he became a little bit too arrogant. Yeah. Um, he was great with the media because I, I, I always remember there was one interview where he was doing a press conference before a Chelsea game, and there was one particular talking point that was you know everyone wanted to ask questions about it and after about 15-20 minutes he got so bored of asking questions he just went is anyone actually going to ask me about the game tomorrow and what team I've got and then someone went alright then Jose um, what's your team news for tomorrow then he went nope too late and just got up and walked out <laughs> and yeah that's that's when I loved Mourinho but then obviously you know he did become a little bit of an arrogant twat um, as, as time went on um, right uh, yeah go on and we'll talk Brighton Liverpool very very quickly obviously we're not going to talk about losing because I think that you know they play well but it's same old same mm. old you've got, to, you've got to take those chances when they come yeah. to you but at least they're fighting uh, at the very least Brighton Liverpool cracking game this one yeah good game um, more evidence of both teams this was like two very poor defensive displays wasn't yeah. it um, you know the 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 goal that um, Brighton scored a dingrus goal. The first one was horrific defending, um, and then you know Brighton again being too open at the back for the two goals they conceded as well. I know one of them was a penalty, but I don't. I just can't work out either of these two teams. They, they they're sort of picking up good results here and there, but then equally like as you said earlier that the did you say I can't remember if you said it on the the podcast that Brighton are the first team to have scored yeah, twenty and, and whatever. That's so indicative of the season they've had. They just mm. West Ham going there and winning three one was probably um, what warning enough. The fact that we fucking went there and won, conceding six against Villa. That's nine goals already. Mm. So I, can't, I just can't work out either team. I don't know where either team are going to finish up this year because I just I don't trust their defenses to <laughs> win them enough games. I think they'll both be up there. I think they'll both get European football. Because, you know, they always say that strikers will win your games, but defences will win your championships. And both of their defences are dog shit right now. <laughs> um, Alisson, he didn't cover himself in glory in that first goal because even though he was out of position when he played that pass, he never got back in position. Mm. And he had time to get himself back in the position. And if he had, he would have saved that shot. 
Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what to think. Um, the second goal for Brighton as well, the defender from Liverpool was awful. Like yeah. Robertson moved out of the way of it because he didn't want to hit it with his right foot. Yes, it was an odd one. Uh, what, what did you think of the... So De Zerbi got himself booked for mm. his protest for this. What did you think about the Van Dyke handball that wasn't given, where it flicks up off his knee? No, it's not a handball. No, in my opinion, no. It's, it's another, <laughs> Dan's not so sure. It's, it's it's sort of like what we had the other week, where it's such close proximity to him. It's hit his foot and then got it's bounced up and then hit his hand. Yeah. Yes, his hand is down forty five degree, but he's quite clearly knowledge that the ball is going across the ground. He's not got the time to react. Ben? I'm assuming you disagree. I don't know. Was it that close? I think I don't necessarily think the the dis- in this case I don't think the distance is actually relevant because the ball has hit his leg first. Mm. So the distance between his leg and his hand is probably what we should be talking about here because I wouldn't say that his arm, even if his arm is in an unnatural position, can we really be giving penalties for pure deflections off your own knee up onto your hand? Yeah. Um, I, I, honestly, I don't know where the rule stands to know whether that, by the letter of the law, should be a penalty or not. Mm. For, me, them, for me watching, I'd be if that was like West Ham, I'd be so fucking annoyed if that was given. It's one of the, Yeah, I was going to say, it's one of them. I think if I was the attacking team, I'd be screaming for it. If I was the defending team, I'd be feeling like I thought it was given. I so. thought it hit his foot, not his knee. You might be right, yeah. I mean, whatever body part it was, mm. Van Dyke had no chance of, of reacting to move his hand out. He, he wouldn't have known anything about it. It was so quick. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, safe to say that uh, Deserby certainly disagreed with that and got himself a, a booking for his troubles. Uh, right, I didn't get more actually because he carried on after it. He did have a few more nibbles, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, at the top um... even came over as like trying to move them out of the way. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know what it is. There's... We've we talk about referees a lot, right? And and how the standard of refereeing is not where it needs to be in mm. the Premier League. I have a little bit of a problem with how referees deal with these things sometimes because there's this element of like being in a power trip. Did you guys see the way that the referee, I think it was one of the, um, I think it was Anthony Taylor, um, he sort of walks over to, to deserve it. We don't see what he says, but we see him say something. And then he just sort of, the way he pulls out the yellow card and then just walks off, it's like the, this kind of like, fuck you, I'm the referee, mm. I'm in charge, you'll do what I tell you. Mm. And I feel like that unnecessary amount of power tripping creates a weird relationship between the referee and the players. With, with red cards, like, I mean, sometimes they're very obvious, but I can't remember which one it was. There was one this weekend, and the referee, he just, he does it, and then just goes, off you go. Yeah. Like, doesn't ex- like, if that were me, I'd, like, just say, I mean, maybe, I can't remember whether it was really obvious or not, but just, like, at least explain, like, why it's been given, do you know mm. what I mean? Rather than just being that, yeah, see you later. It's, they, they, it's very dismissive in mm. how they do it, and you're right, you know, often they'll give... It's like when they give penalties and red cards and stuff, they'll give the decision and it's like they just want to run away. Yeah. Now, part of me thinks, well, they are probably going to be chased and harassed by loads of mm. very uh, angry footballers, so I can understand why they kind of want to keep out of the way. But at the same time, if you want respect from the players, you've got to give the respect yeah. back. And unfortunately, in the way that football works, it's the referee who has to take the lead with that yeah. um, because the players won't. Yeah. But, you know, you think back to referees, I'm, I'm thinking like um, Howard Webb had it to a point in the Premier League. He was probably, you know, the, the last really good referee that we had Clattenburg had his moments where he was yeah. good but then he was shit other times but I mean the, the granddaddy of them all is Pierluigi Colina. <laughs> and like <laughs> the only referee in history to ever be on the front cover of a video game that's how fucking good he was scary um, and he literally just had that respect with people it wasn't just how good his decisions were it's the fact that he had this aura about him 
that, yeah, don't question me, but if you do, I will talk to you. But it's sometimes a glance and a glare was all he needed from him and he would just get people on with it. So, yeah, I, the refereeing situation is a problem in the Premier League, but I don't, I have to say, I don't like the way that they talk with the players and deal with the players at times. I think they don't help themselves. When they, when my they, when my like brother that. had that game on the old uh, PlayStation when I was a kid and I refused to play just because I was scared of opening the packet. <laughs> I think it was... <laughs> I think it was Pro Evo 6, I think it was. It was one of the Pro Evo games. Yeah, it wasn't like FIFA. About, I would have been about eight, nine, sort of ten years old sort of age. <laughs> yeah, so. and it was literally just his big old bald head on the cover, just staring <laughs> at you. It's like one of those pictures on the wall where the eyes just follow you, <laughs> when you no matter where you stand. Oh, dear. Right, okay. Um, that is all the Premier League chat then. Um, we are now going to start to wind out the show, and we'll start with this. Down the stat, man. So, Alexander Isak is the third Swedish player to score in three consecutive Premier League appearances after who? You want to say the obvious one? Obvious one, I would say, is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yep. Uh, the other obvious one I can think of is Freddie Jungberg. Yep. <laughs> if it wasn't him, the only other one I had in my head was Henrik Larsson. But I didn't no. know whether he, uh, how much, because he didn't play that long at United, did no. he? Um, so there we go. Well, that was, uh, Told you. That was nice successful. <laughs> right, let's move on to the quiz. Right, welcome back. Um, I've had a, a couple of hours free time today so i've actually done a little bit more research into this quiz so it should actually be more enjoyable than holiday again isn't it? yeah yeah, yeah fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> it's born out of jealousy Pete. there's nothing yeah. nothing else to it so the scores stand at three two to chris i believe um however you guys want to play this it's either first to say it or just be honest with your answers at the same we'll be time honest. yeah okie dokie well we'll get straight into it so, question number one. Um, Man City have failed to register a goal for the first time this season in the Premier League, but when was the last time they failed to score in the Premier League? Closest, I don't expect you to get this, but the closest wins. I'm, assu I'm assuming you're basing this as off last week's game against Wolves then. Sorry? They scored against Wolves. Did they? It was 2-1. Oh, was it? Fuck me, I thought it was 1-0. <laughs> Okay, there you go. See, that's where the honesty <laughs> kicks in, Dan. I love I that from you. Yeah, you <laughs> last week. That's what I was thinking. He was, he was saying, like, oh, nearest date you can find. I'm thinking it was fucking last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I be trying to... <laughs> okay. Um, so what, what have we got to give you here? The date or the team? Or no, both? Both, if you want to show off. I mean... Um... Last time they failed to score. Last time they failed to score in the Premier League. So when you say date, I'm assuming you mean month or... Yeah, you will give me a date if you really want to show off, but I don't expect you to get it. No, I mean, this one's... a month later, don't you? Yeah. Give me a the team, date. month, anything. I don't know whether we should go crazy and say... So no, is it like... he'll say, like, July. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, mate. <laughs> Throwing shade out, trying to get in my head. Um, is it going to be crazy, like, and say, like, two seasons ago or something stupid? I mean, it's... I uh, think it's pretty mental, really. Right. But. There we go. <laughs> so it's more than a season ago, then. I will say it was in last November against 
Brentford. Okay. That's my guess. So you're saying November 2022? November 2022, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... And that's a pure guess, Dan. So yeah, don't I read mean, anything into that. Mine's going to be a pure guess. I'm going to go opposite end of the calendar mm-hmm. and say March... Again, what March this year or last no, year? No, sorry, last year. So March twenty two. Twenty two against Palace. Well, I mean, Chris, you got the um, you got Brentford, right? Oh wow! For the yeah, the last time they failed to register a goal was against Brentford when they lost one nil, and that was on the twenty eighth of May, twenty twenty three. So it's a couple of months, but I still think that's quite. So it's all right at the end of last season. Yeah. So you said November, so you you miles closer and you got the rent for one. So. <laughs> yeah. So one nil then. <laughs> uh, number two, don't get the Premier League table up. How many points divide the top and bottom of the league? Uh okay, I think I know what it is. Fuck. <laughs> We must look at it at least like three or four times. We've looked week. at it. I mean, we were looking at it 10 yeah. minutes ago, weren't we? I'm fairly confident with yeah. mine. Hang on, give me two seconds. Come on, Dan. Two seconds. I'll give you more than okay. I can talk to you. Seconds. What's your, what are you stuck on? How many points the top score? How many points the bottom one's The got? bottom. I think I know. All right. So how many points divide the top and bottom of the league? Mine, my guess is 19. Okay. Ooh. Bollocks. Mine's 20. Ooh, okay. Well, Spurs are on 20 points. Yeah, Spurs are on 20. I, th- I thought they are on two. Two draws. And well, that would be a divide of 18 then. Not 20. Sheffield United. Oh, sorry. Are on... I thought Spurs were on 22. Oh, and Sheffield United are on one. Yeah. So it's 19 points divides them. So it's 2 0 to Chris. Right. So anagram time. I've got one anagram, anagram in this. So name a. Th- I've made it a bit easier for you, okay? Okay. So yeah, let me get, know get, our, get our phones out quick. Where's, your, where's me app? Where's me app? Uh, it's not an anagram generator, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where's my fucking notes? Why can't I... Tech guy here. Where's my notes app gone? Or have they changed the name of it? <laughs> the fuck? Time limit. Oh, screw it. I'll just put it in here. Okay, right. Go on, go. Okie dokie. So, name this weekend's goal scorer in this anagram. A. Compella. Can you spell it, please? I can. It's A-C-O-M-P-E-L-L-E-R. This weekend's goal scorer, A. Compella. More editing for me to do later. <laughs> That's the only. Are we, is this first? Is this just surname or first name and surname? No, first name and surname. Oh, first name and surname. Yeah. We done this last week, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a weekend's goal scorer. That's the only clue I'm going to give you. Yeah, it was in this question. I'm trying to think of who played. I'm just running through. Yeah, I'm going through the big teams. Running through the teams. Um, so if I do the same as I done last week, yeah, so give us four and six. Four and six. They transferred from one team to another this season. 
I'm really fucking struggling with this. Yeah. They're young. <laughs> Cole Palmer. Hey. Oh, bastard. I'm glad you got it though, because that was very boring. <laughs> I, I was a complete blank. All right, two one. Well. R in it then. Sorry. No, it's P A L M E R. Oh yeah, where's the R then? Akam. A compeller. Oh, with an R at the end. With an R at the end. I didn't put an R at the end. No, he didn't. <laughs> For some reason, I stopped it at the A. What a twat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not suggesting that would have been. I it's still like, wouldn't have got like it. A compeller. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's yeah, what yeah. I spelled it. I mean, I still wouldn't have got it. So <laughs> it's fine. Must have been the bold and slang. Exactly, yeah. Ah. We're thinking, you know, we're here with... Probably should have worked it out when it was four and six and I only had nine left. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so two, one to Chris. Um, who are we? <coughs> we had 25 shots on the weekend, but only eight were on target. We committed 14 fouls, but only received one yellow card. Our goalkeeper had to make three saves. We bounced back from a defeat last week. I think I know. So the team. Who are we? We had 25 shots on the weekend, but only eight were on target. We committed 14 fouls, but only received one yellow card. Our goalkeeper had to make three saves. We bounced back from a defeat last week I think I know yeah okay I'm going to say Brighton okay so I'm going to go Liverpool you're both wrong Everton Oh. oh, good one. Never would have thought. If that. you were really stuck, it was the, it was the twenty five shots and goals. Like, there's no fucking way Everton had that I was many torn shots and goals between Brighton and Liverpool. Yeah. Mm. Liverpool didn't lose last week, did they? Yeah, Spurs. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was the, what <laughs> the, was the fucking? Yeah, I know, but what was the bet we had? I thought it was you thought that Liverpool would win both games. No, he said no. that Liverpool would lose twice in a row. Oh, I see. So Sorry, not but... and not draws. They'd lose twice. Okay. Um, okay, so that stays at 2-1 to Chris. So, as the crow flies... Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> what is the closest derby in English football? New stadiums are taken into account on this one, but they may not be the answer. In English football? As the crow flies, what is the closest derby in English football? Oh, so we're not talking Premier League. Yeah. Well, it could be Premier League. But it is open to... Open to in English football, so we need to think of teams that are really oh, close oh, together. Okay. Yeah, I'll go. All right. Fulham and Chelsea. Okay. okay. I was going to... Liverpool and Everton. So, Fulham and Chelsea, I believe, is 2.3 miles. Liverpool and Everton is 0.9 miles. The closest derby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's one closer than 0.9. It's actually 230 metres away from each other. Oh, my God. So, literally, somebody could boot the ball out of the stadium and it could land on the other pitch. Who yeah. is it? It's on the River Trent. Uh... <laughs> I don't know where that is. Nottingham Forest. 
and oh. Notts County. Okay. Yeah. They play on the other oh. side of the river. Mm -hmm. Okay, so yeah, it's like there's a, there's a park years. that separates uh, Liverpool and Everton. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Fucking annoying. <laughs> well, at least you know. There we go. So I was right in terms of Premier League teams. Yeah, well, Liverpool and Everton is the second closest. Mm. Tell um, you what, if we ever do a, a quiz down at the old Woodlock again, that's a great fucking question mm, for right. Anyone who's listening who's local is not allowed to come. <laughs> Just saying these are all thought of by me this week. Yeah. Well, so well you, could be, you could be quiz master yeah, next time yeah, we do yeah. it. Right. So it stays at 2-1. Rank in order. Who has scored more goals in the Premier League during their career between Jared Bowen... Mason Mount, Alvaro Morata, and Andy Carroll. Fucking <laughs> hell. Who has scored more goals in the Premier League during their career? You can write, write them down if yeah, you want to. Yeah, I Memories on that, dude. So it was Bowen. Bowen, Mount, Morata, and Carroll. So that's every team that they've played for in the Premier League over their career. Um. Okay, yeah. I will take a stab at this. Mm -hmm. Dan. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna say Carol has scored the most. I'm gonna say that Bowen is second, Mount third, Morata fourth. Okay. You got the same. So. Dan has gone. Oh, you've have gone the same. I thought that was your order. Sorry. <laughs> um, so points to anyone that gets these in that place. Then okay. Okay. So first out of all of them is Jared Bowen. Is he? Wow. He's got thirty-two goals so far. In second place is Mason Mount. Andy Carroll is not even in the top two. 27 wow. goals. For Newcastle, Liverpool and West Ham. Yeah. Andy Carroll in third with 25 goals. He's had a really shit career, hasn't he? Wow. And Alvaro Morata with only 16. So, one, so one point for Morata then for coming okay. last. Okay. So that's 3-2 three three two two to you. Um, should hopefully be a quite an easy one. Uh, over the course of the Premier League history, name the top six sides to accumulate the most points. In order. In order. In order as well, you bastard. Over the lot. Over Premier League history, the top six Ooh, sides to Premier accumulate the most points. So again, points for places. Oh, that's hard. That's the last <laughs> ten years are really like ripped into that. Yeah. Um... that will really decide who the top six is that's really that's really tough actually okay. don't don't let it throw you off that much is all the advice I could say yeah that's no, fine I think there's obviously there's obvious ones in there it's a case of which order they're in yeah and then there's probably one or two spots in there that you're thinking it could be anybody okay. at this point right I've got I've got my six. So okay. All right. Okay. So first, if I say it, and then you oh yeah, you do the order. Mark. Okay. So top six sides to accumulate the most points on the top of the tree at first is Man United. Yep. Yep. Second is Arsenal. Yep. Third is Liverpool. Yep. 
Fourth is Chelsea. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Fifth is Spurs. And sixth is Man City. Oh, almost a clean sweep. I went for Villa on the sixth. Is yeah, that you up to me. eight points? Yeah. Smash me. I went United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, City, Villa. That's it, yeah. Okay. So you got one point out of that. Yeah. Okay. So I had That's... every single team just in the wrong order. <laughs> <laughs> so it's eight, three, is it? Yes. Well, Chris has won. I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to uh, spoil it for anybody, yeah. but... This was more going to be like the deciding one. So. <laughs> uh, last season, who were the biggest time wasters in the Premier League? <laughs> this, is, this, <laughs> this is delays in, in, in play. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Dan. I'm fairly certain that was Newcastle. So Newcastle was 29.5 seconds. There is one team that's above them. Brentford. Brentford. God, you can have a point for that, mate. 31.4 seconds. Consolation goal. <laughs> Yeah, two two seconds on average more than Newcastle. So Dan gets that, I guess. Yep. Or was that um, golden goal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next goal wins at football training. Cool. All right. Well, that's now four two to you, Chris. There we go. Well, there we go. That's another another win on the board. Um, what can I say? So tomorrow, the second episode of season five of LMA will drop. Um, we've got to finish that off tonight, but that should be done well in time. Um, and of course, we will. Uh, Hopefully, um, I'm, I need to speak with Dan about this, but I'm hoping that um, Dan will be so kind as to come round one day, either this weekend or next, to film the uh, the forfeit. Ooh, busy mate. Yeah. <laughs> Clear your schedule. <laughs> um, so yes, finally that uh, that should be happening. Um, so yes, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As always, make sure you share us around. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, please do use the ability to give us a five star review if you enjoyed us and help us get listened by more people. And um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.